because we do business with people. We don't do business with businesses. It's the real people behind those businesses that make a difference to us. So today, I'd love to introduce you. I'm so excited to have here with me Beverly Howard. And Beverly and I have known each other for a long time. She lives in New York City, and she is dedicated to helping people who want to change the world with their voice, affect lives with their voice, and advance within their organizations. She's a public speaking and presentation skills coach with almost 20 years of experience. And over the years, she's helped and trained many individuals to go on to win multiple awards, including first place trophies in the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. She is on a mission and she makes a big difference for her clients. One of her clients said, my confidence has gone up tremendously after working with Beverly. And that's what it's about because public speaking is a learned skill. Most of us are not born with great speaking skills, and that's what Beverly works with people to accomplish. So please help me welcome the fantastic Beverly Howard. Oh, I can hear the roar from the audience. Hi, Trish. Hi, Beverly. So nice to have you here with me today. And, you know, I said that we know each other for a long time, and yet, I didn't know this one aspect that we're going to be talking about today, and that's that basically you you were living in the dark for the first 23 years of your life. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, I at the age of 23, I discovered by accident that I was nearsighted. I went to a sandwich place with my sister, and we get inside the menus at the back of the on the back wall and I asked my sister everything is a blur to me so I asked my sister do they have turkey and cheese said, yeah they have turkey and cheese what kind of sodas do they have do they have um do they have Pepsi yes they have Pepsi okay so how much what's the difference between the price of the Turk the hero and the and she stopped me and said what's the matter can't you read uh, and it hit me that I had a problem. So I, I ended up in the doctor's office to get my eyes checked. I get into the office and I'm instructed, like everyone else, stand behind that white line and read the smallest line you can see. And me, I get myself in position and I look straight ahead and I said, E. Now, e. yeah. Okay. And you got it, right? That's it. And then she looked back at me and said, I said, read the smallest line you can see. And I started walking towards the chart. And she said, you can't move. You have to stay there. Then she looked at me and said, and you don't wear glasses? I thought that was the rudest thing anyone could say. <laughs> but she was right. I got the examination from the doctor. And before I left, he told me to look straight ahead and he said I want you to see this is the way you look now he put the lenses in front of my eyes and when they opened up those lenses 
my whole world just lit up. I mean, we weren't even outside, but the sky was bluer, the clouds were white. I even heard birds chirping because it made me realize that I have been living in darkness and this grayness my whole life without even knowing it. And that's how it all happened. So you went from really not being able to see very much in front of you to being able to see the whole world. I can't imagine what that was like. Oh man, it, it, I mean, I wanted to celebrate. I couldn't wait to get those glasses. But then I started reflecting on how I was living my life to compensate for that. I realized that every time I was in a classroom, I'm always sitting in front of the room because if I was in the back, I wouldn't be able to see. Whenever my sisters and family members were in front of the TV watching sporting events like football, basketball, and they're saying number 28, uh, whatever the person's name is, I could not relate because everything was a blur. And I was never able to make the distinction between the way a person looks and all of those things that go into knowing an individual. So throughout life, I never knew who was who. I mean, Michael Jordan, yes, I knew him. You know, just certain people you just know because they're prominent. But for the most part, even in learning history, history, don't ask me about African-American history, uh, world history, American history. I cannot do it because I need to be able to see their faces. I need to be able to see everything as it relates, the dates and the names and put them all together. And it was a challenge for me throughout life. And it's even still a challenge because I have to go back and relearn the stuff that I have hadn't learned in those years. Wow. And, you know, I hear people who've had cataracts, for example, mm -hmm. after they get the cataract surgery, how it they can't believe how much more they can see. Yes. I can't imagine what that was like for you. Did you start going back to, oh my God, what have I missed all this time? Yeah, yeah, I really did. I, I missed a whole lot of things. I, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. We were walking down the street and he said, okay, let's go to McDonald's. Oh, and it's up the block. I said, well, where, where's McDonald's? And he said, can't you see those big golden arches? What's wrong with you? And so I didn't know. I don't know until I get on top of it. So as we get closer, then I can see it. And that's what nearsightedness is. Then there are times when I don't know a car is a car is a car for me, unless it's a BMW or Mercedes, because I know how to distinguish those. Right. <laughs> it's just so many, so many different things. And what I ended up doing to make it through college was just my, using my short-term memory in order to learn everything that I needed to learn, to pass, to take the test, regurgitate it on the test, pass it, and then forget it so that I can make room for the next thing that I have to do. So, well, that really trained you in learning, right? Oh, yeah. You were yeah. To learn and you had to adjust. But oh my gosh, well, so now your vision's great. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, now you're with glasses, right? Yes. Yeah, but I think even with the glasses, I still have that mentality of someone who doesn't. And that you know how someone who makes the effort to lose weight 
and they do all the things, exercise, do eat right, and they lose the weight. But when they look in the mirror, they still see the person they were before they lost the weight. That's the way I see myself, especially when it comes to the things that I really want to know, like history. I hate being in a conversation with people and I cannot share because I just I just have to go through the whole process of learning. And so, yeah. It's amazing. It's really amazing. And I can see that. So you're they say that people who have a diminished capacity in one sense the others come alive. Did you yes. find that your hearing was better? And did you find any of that or no? Because I'm thinking you work with me that. Well, because you work with people to get their message out, their voice heard. So I'm thinking that must have something to do with, you know, your hearing must have been better. Well, I have a story about that. When I was working, someone attested this with me that if I didn't have my glasses on, I couldn't hear you. Has that ever happened to you as a person wearing glasses? <laughs> no. have, it did. If I didn't have my glasses on. When I was younger, too, I did have problems hearing as well. So in my life, I compensated by reading lips. So if I'm looking at you, I'm reading your lips. I don't know what color your eyes are. I don't know. There's so many things. So just like I, I said, I'm that type of person that even though I'm wearing glasses, I still have that still going on in my life. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about how you transitioned. So you're in your 20s, you get to see again. How did you move to where you are today as an entrepreneur who supports other people in getting their voice heard and getting out into the world? Well, it all started with Toastmasters when I joined in 1986. And as a result of being a Toastmaster and evaluating people, I was able to see things about the way people spoke and delivered and the content that a lot of the other members couldn't. But I made a conscious effort that if I'm going to be able to evaluate people and to help people to grow and mm -hmm. let their voice be heard, I'm going to have to learn this skill. So I became and I am what I consider a professional learner. And I just learned everything that I needed to know. And I'm still learning everybody. I do not know everything, but I just made an effort that if I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you with the knowledge that is true and not just my opinion of what it is supposed to be. And that's what happened. And I just started coaching again, Toastmasters, as you mentioned in the opening, my, the first couple of people that I coached were in speech contests. Yeah. And I became known for the person that if you're in a speech contest, then, you know, come see me. And I just recently coached my sister, Felicia, she's also a um, Toastmaster. And she went very far in the, in the, in the, in the competition. So it's something that I enjoy. And in addition to that, not just coaching Toastmasters, I've been able to, as you said, do presentation skills training for a corporation. And yeah. that's fun too. And I've also trained individuals in colleges. So the, the possibilities are endless in what you can do as a coach and helping people to get their voice out there. But it all came yeah, with me, I me being that 
person that has to, I have to study. I lose sleep <laughs> learning things. <laughs> so. That's because the first 23 years of your life, you were trying to figure out how to learn things. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. So if you were to give somebody advice about um, how to be confident on the stage, because one of the things I hear is I'm not so confident. I'm afraid. I was actually just on a, a coaching call with someone who's doing a big speech mm -hmm. and she's nervous about it. So what? suggestion would you give to people who get those nerves and who think, oh, I'll never get over my stage fright? First of all, I would like to invite them to eliminate that thought of stage fright because everyone who speaks, you are going to have those butterflies in your stomach. But once you get on that stage and you start looking out at that audience and you start speaking, those things, you forget all about them those butterflies will disappear. The second thing you need to do is to make sure that you are prepared beforehand. That's one thing that I find that if I'm not prepared, that I'm not, I'm gonna be thinking about what's my next thought? What do I say next? Where do I move? And so preparation is the key to getting over that nervousness. And that's, that's that that should do it. Preparation, so pre preparation. Mm -hmm. Preparation is, is like saying what you're going to say over and over so that you're comfortable with it? No. <laughs> well, what's preparation? Well, I, I, the, when you put it that way, a lot of people will be thinking, I need to go through this from beginning to end. One way that I would suggest that you do it is to chunk it up. So, and this is one thing that I, I, when I was acting back in the day, I, I, and the way that I would learn my lines was to take the first chunk, let's say a paragraph, get that in. Then I'll go to the next paragraph. I get that in my mind. Then I take those two paragraphs together, get them down, and then keep going. And by the time you get to the end of your script or your speech, you don't need it anymore. So it, I don't recommend that people memorize their speech. Right. I just, it's basically just figure out a method and the chunk of method works really well. I just give it a try and start with the beginning, the body, of, the body of your speech, as opposed to the opening and the conclusion, because the body is what the bulk of your speech is going to be anyway. Yeah, I love that idea that you just take small pieces of it, small chunks of it, get comfortable with that in your head, what you're going to say, and then you get comfortable with the next chunk. Mm -hmm. To try to get comfortable with so much at one time is too difficult. Yes, too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what do you think about um, visualization and those kinds of techniques? Mm -hmm. Visualization is excellent. And the way that I would this recommend that you use visualization is to visualize yourself on that stage. You're preparing for the speech. Visualize yourself on the stage as often as you need to. One of the things that I did when I was coaching one of the uh, uh, people who made it to the championship, I took him on the stage and I told him, look out at the audience. It's empty seats at the moment, but just look out there 
walk that stage, get a sense of the feel and how it's going to feel on the stage. And that's the thing that I also do myself ahead of time. I want to make sure that I am able to get into the venue, get on the stage and fill it out. And that that that's the best thing to do whenever you you preparing and the visualization is just a matter of you want to visualize the audience engaged. You want to visualize them laughing. You want to visualize them smiling. If you tell them to get up and do high fives and visualizing them, too, if that's a part of your speech, you want to just visualize that whole experience and you visualize it as many times as you need to. And when you get on that stage, you will have an experience and your audience is also going to have an experience. That's great. That's great. Beverly, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you? Because you're chock full of good information. And every time you work with people, they have great results. So what's the best way to be in touch? Well, right now, the best way to be in touch with me is on LinkedIn. I don't have any social media presence. You can find me on LinkedIn and connect and send me some messages. And you can email me at beverly.a.howard at gmail.com. Ah, okay, Beverly. Beverly. Beverly.a.howard. Gotcha. And LinkedIn, we'll find you there for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, wonderful. Beverly.a.howard at gmail.com. Beverly, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, it really is so interesting that the world opened up for you when you were in your early 20s. And look at how you are opening up the world for so many people who are learning to get their message out. It's creating promotions in their jobs. It's allowing people to market their services. And it's allowing people to tell their stories in compelling ways so that people want to know more. So Beverly Howard, thank you so much for being with me today on Be Real, Get Real. Thank you, Trish. <laughs> it's my pleasure, my pleasure. And thank all of you for being with us this morning. We'll see you next week again with another episode of Be Real, Get Real from Women's Prosperity Network. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.